you know, I found a real family here, and that's why I love coming here. Um, I believe that we could do everything in the kingdom together out of relationship. See, out of relationship, if it's pure and it's the real koinonia of the Lord, you can do stuff together and you can get through stuff together out of relationship, just like a real family would. And I believe the Lord, when he developed the plan, the God or in his mighty plan was to make us one <clears throat> as he was one with the Father. So family, I believe, is extremely important. And I think some of the things I may say today, and I must preface this, <laughs> that the views and the opinions that are coming from my mouth this morning might not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of River of Fellowship. <laughs> However, I know me and Todd are connected, and I don't know about you, but for me, coming to church has a whole new meaning than it used to have many years ago. Well, I used to come because I felt obligated, but now I want to come because I want to celebrate. I went from obligation to celebration. And what, who do I want to celebrate is a very important question. And as we get ready to go right back into worship again, here's one thing I've learned about family. If you come to my house, you will look in my kitchen sink and you will see it's got dishes in it. If you walk across my floor, I have a 12-year-old boy and a 14-year-old boy. Boys, we understand, don't we, uh, Isaac, we understand that we're not always the most tidiest kids in the world, right? We just kind of, I'm the kind of guy who comes home and does not like a, lot, like a lot of clothes on me. So if you follow my household, you will see shirts on the floor. You will see t-shirts on the floor. It's who we are and we're okay with it. But when we come to the church, for some reason, we expect everything to be perfect and in order. You know, someone, I was part of a ministry once that preached, you got to have a spirit of excellence. And the Lord's rebuked me when I kind of went through that process because excellence can mean perfection, and perfection is a demon that comes into your life and tries to make everything perfect. There's only one perfect person. His name is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> And the Lord showed me that that actually came out of the scriptures where it says Daniel was of excellent spirit. In other words, he could identify with the Lord and do the Lord's will, not his own. And I don't want a, perf I don't want a spirit of perfection in my house at the church. We don't want it the spirit of excellence so everybody can run harder and work harder. What we want is love. My point is this. When you come to church, maybe it ought to start looking a little bit more like a family. Maybe it can get a little messy sometimes because I'm looking at my wife going, did you pick up Noah or am I supposed to pick up Noah? Oh, no, he's still on the soccer field because we got a miscommunication going, right? That's not grounds for divorce, is it? I don't know what it is about the church, but for some reason we feel as though we have a right to demand our rights and we don't with, when we begin to withhold love from one another. When we withhold love from one another, we're really doing an injustice. So I'm setting you up for something right now something I love to do all the time. And, I, and this is another thing that really messes with me. You've got to be careful because leaders will like to read a lot of the stuff and statistics of what churches are supposed to be doing and not doing. For I have nothing wrong with Barna. I think Barna has done an amazing job. But his statistics can lead leaders in the wrong direction if they're not following the Spirit. And one of the, This is amazing to me. The number one on the, uh, of Barna's uh, top list, if you don't want people to come back to your church is do a meet and greet. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Did y'all hear that right? The number one reason they said number one on the top of the list not to do is a meet and greet. And I thought, and I said to myself, the, we come from all over the city to worship the Lord so we can ignore each other. Something doesn't sound right. And I think I understand what they're saying is when it's a rote, like, we have to all get up and do something on the dime. But I believe that God's changing the whole way we do church in such a way that when we begin to gather here, that you guys are going to find yourself edifying and encouraging and comforting one another. The spirit of prophecy will be moving through here, through which is the edification of comfort 
an encouragement because when you begin to encourage somebody, what begins to happen to them, strongholds come down off their life, and then life, and then the love of the Lord can get in. And when the love of the Lord gets in, then the strongholds are gone, the mindsets are broken, and all of a sudden you start to awaken. <gasps> How many people enjoyed the worship this morning? It was awesome. It still is awesome. But there could be people in this room who says, you know, I didn't feel much. I just kind of, I wish we'd play a different kind of tune. Well, let me tell you, if the church could edify itself, it wouldn't matter. Because love would begin to flow in this room through edification. And the love would be so strong in here, it would just absolutely blast every stronghold and every mindset that's in here. Because love and perfect love will always cast out fear. So can we do something under this anointed music for a moment? Would you help me create a party scene? Just like it was in the Bible. When they got together, they were partying, man. The scriptures had to be written for them because they were saying, look, we're coming to the Lord's table. Just don't get drunk. Don't just eat all the food. But listen, he didn't say stop partying. <laughs> they were meeting from house to house, and the Holy Ghost was having parties with the people. Amen? So what we probably could do to help me because y'all love me, that you would be willing to maybe during this time, if y'all would play whatever you feel led by the Lord, and we're going to walk around and encourage one another. Can we do that for a moment before we go anywhere else? And just love on each other. Is that cool? All right. Ready? Let's party. All right. The neat thing about it is when the spirit of edification starts, it is so uplifting and so alive, it's so hard to just stop because life begins to flow. Do you understand if you want to live, you got to learn how to give. And if you're sitting and not giving, you may just be a well not sprung yet. Hey, but would you do something again? Because I want, look, the Holy Ghost doesn't know we're practicing. Truly living is giving. And giving is living. Freely He has given. Freely we have received. Freely we should give. So, we're going to do something like a family. Is that cool? I don't normally do this because I don't like to say everybody now stand and we don't do all the stand, sit, stand, sit stuff. Uh, if you don't mind, would you just stand? <laughs> now, I want you to hear her and I want everybody to step out in faith with me. And when she goes, oh, I, my, oh, I do a terrible job. Oh, <laughs> will you do that? And will you, everybody do that with her? And here's what we're going to do. Oh, God. We are going to release the hope of glory, Christ in me. We're going to open our mouths up, and we're going to release the hope of glory into this room. Is that okay? Okay. But you got to do the OOO thing with her, because I can't do it alone. All right? All right, here we go. Ready? Okay. Take us there, sister. No pressure.
kind of I'm always in a coachable moment because I like to help the church understand why we do what we do not just do it and make you guess um, what just happened right then was the Lord moved upon my heart and and actually not just mine from I don't I don't just sit here and only just hear him I get it from different people that come to me before the service even starts you see it all the time but maybe you don't see it there's God moving in everybody in this room, so everybody has a part to play. It's kind of like you're a puzzle piece he's bringing to the table. And when you bring your piece to the table and you bring it as an like offering to the Lord and you become the very essence of him, by giving it away, you help bring the piece that makes the bigger picture. So therefore, when I hear people and I'm listening to them through all the halls and hugging them and encouraging them, they may say something. The Lord goes, I'm in that. I'm in that. I'm in that. So when I walked in, I was in the back room with Todd, and I saw the little children in the back room. He said, I'm in there with them right now. Will you come in there with me? So I had the little children. I went in there and said, would y'all pray for me? What happened when those little children prayed for me was, it's the ingredient I needed this morning because I need, and I asked the Lord all the time, that I would never minister out of my head, that I would minister out of my heart. And when you get the heart of God for a people, he will open up the realm of wisdom and revelation. And he will begin to allow you to just share it. And it will be him impregnating your words. So I said, little children, pray for me. And when they started praying for me, when those little hands, when they just touched you guys, when that little hand touched you, y'all, and who was the other? I can't even see it. Whoa. I knew you were missing. I just didn't know where you went. When that little hand touched you, what was it like? Amazing. You just felt that little child's hand of purity and innocence. There was nothing in it with an agenda. And it wrecked me when I was in the back. And I was like, Lord, wow, thank you so much that I didn't miss the little children. I didn't walk by him because I'm the guest speaker. Because I'm in the house of God and I must give the word of God. There's no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom. There really isn't. We honor. We should honor. Amen. So we're going to have hopefully some fun this morning as well. Had a great time Friday night at SOS, and that's, that's even how the Lord ministered to me on SOS because I was able to see the giftings on Friday night, and the Lord would want them to be used even during Sunday morning. That's why I call her love or sunshine because that's what the Lord was speaking to me about her. Her heart is so big for people and relationships and love so big for people. She's been misunderstood because other people are like, well, they dug their own grave. Let them live in it. She's like, no, I'm going to rescue them because love never stops serving. Okay? But if I didn't see that puzzle piece on Friday night and hear her heart, I wouldn't know that. I would be doing it alone up here. Okay, so... And by the way, y'all, last time I was here, how many remember my little boy, Noah, that came? Oh, man, he's all grown up now, and he's into this thing called parkour. How many kids know what parkour is? Free running? Him and his son, yeah, see him in the, he's like, yeah, I know what that is. So I'm in this place now where I'm watching my boys grow up, and we've been such a close family, and I've tried to do everything I can with my boys. I mean, I play Call of Duty, guys, whether you like it or not. I play because my boys were playing it. And I had fun. We would get together, and we would have a blast. My son went to a, a meeting once, and in the meeting, the guy was telling him everything he shouldn't be doing, but never told him who he could be. He came home and said, Dad, he said, well, i, I got to give up my Xbox. I said, why? He said, because the preacher told me it was from the devil. I said, what? I said, can you play your Xbox and love the Lord with all your heart? He said, yeah. I said, well, play on, son. 
It's not the things that contaminate us. It's the things that control us and have us that are going to ruin it. If they have you, you're going to get in trouble, but you can have them. You know what you can and can't have because the scriptures are pretty clear, some of that stuff. But when you're not sure what you're supposed to have, hopefully you're inclining your ear to the Lord and hearing his voice. I remember when my son came home one day, and he was coming from the video store, and he brought back a video, and it wasn't even that bad of a video. It was like a silly one. He came up to me with tears in his eyes because I make my boys buy their own stuff a lot of the times. I want them to understand the value of money. And he paid some money for this video game, but he couldn't return it because he opened the package. And he said, Dad, God told me I can't play this. I said, why? Because I don't know. He just told me no when I opened the package up. And I said, and I wanted to say to him, it's not a bad game. Go ahead and play it. And the Holy Ghost convicted me and said, he's hearing the Father's voice. I was like, oh. So I was very pleased to know that my son was able to, at a young age, they were getting to know Papa's voice. Even before they can read the word, because they couldn't read yet. The only thing those kids can read right now are us. <laughs> and hopefully we're showing them the Father. Amen? Okay. So now they got me longboarding. Anybody know what longboarding is? I'm not talk- I won't go in the ocean and surf with them. I'm too afraid of sharks. I don't know what it is, but there's something about my feet dangling in the middle of the ocean, just down there dangling, waiting to catch a wave. Wondering what's going to catch me. It's just creepy. I was like, okay. But now they got me on something more dangerous. It's called, so be praying for me, a longboard. It's a skateboard that's long. I'm 47 and I'm on a skateboard. I can, all, I can go faster than all of them because I'm much heavier than them. They get going out the get-go and I'm like passing them like... Jump in the grass. I mean, it's, yeah, it can get scary. So, uh, okay, we're going to get in the Word. Is that okay? And as we're doing that, as the Lord allows me to uh, stop, like we did this morning, and I'm coming back to what just happened with the people that were up here. You know, the Lord is so gracious and so kind that He'll stop everything if we'll let Him for one person. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus was on his way to someone's house who had a dead daughter. And he was on the way there before. And and they're trying to get him there as fast as they can. Everybody's pushing him. And this woman stretches forth, touches the hem of his garment, and he stops the whole plan and the agenda right there. I could imagine what everybody was trying to do. The disciples were like, she's going to die. She's going to die. We got to get there. We got to get there. It's a four-mile journey. We got to get there. We got to get there. And Jesus was like, no, it's all good. Father's got it. Someone touched me. I'm going to stop the band. I'm going to stop the agenda. And we're going to see this person get healed. That's what just happened in the front of the service. Does that make sense? He'll stop it all just for you. Because he loves you so much. And that was the big major uh, thing we talked about was love. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go into Genesis. I'm going to set a foundation. Help us out a little bit here. God has wrecked my world in the last two years like I can't begin to tell you. He has, Jesus has personally showed up in my life and begin to start teaching me personally. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you catch the person of Jesus, Jesus, the essence of who he really is, he begins to start teaching you and he starts showing you things that you missed before you didn't even know he could teach you through. He just starts quickening anything around you to get your attention. To quicken makes means to make alive. He can breathe on anything in a moment and make it talk to you if he wants. How many people understand what I'm talking about? You were driving down the road, and all of a sudden a car pulled out in front of you with a bumper sticker, and it was the issue you were going through, and the bumper sticker spoke to you. What just happened? God just opened your eyes and opened your heart to receive a word from a bumper sticker. Hmm? He does that all the time. That's how he talks to me all the time, through people mostly, in the Word of God, of course. But then I go outside and, I go, and I'll be quiet and I'll be sitting in my backyard and all of a sudden one cardinal will show up, two cardinals will show up, and three cardinals will show up at the same time. And they're eating right in front of me while I'm contemplating a question. The Lord begins to give me an answer and all of them just turn around and look at me. 
and fly off. You can dismiss that as coincidence if you want. I'm just not going to do that. Me and Todd went out yesterday just to have coffee. There was nothing coincidental about yesterday, was there, Todd? Everywhere we went, the Lord would just highlight somebody, and the next thing you know, we were talking to him, hanging out with him. We weren't trying to get him saved or get hooked. We weren't even trying to get him to come to the church. We just wanted to get to know him. And love began to manifest, and those people were like, hey. And the next thing you know, Todd was giving a word to somebody. What was it? We were at where? Ross. At Ross. I needed shoes. I dragged him there. I still didn't get shoes. I had no peace about it. But better than the shoe, we got, a, we got the lady. who got, And Todd just walked, and we started talking to her just as friends. And the next thing you know, God started downloading a Todd, and he started speaking life into her. She's chased us down to give us an answer about something later. That's how much we connected in that short amount of time because she experienced life. People want life. The church is tired. The church is just tired. And God is coming back and bringing life through the person of Jesus. And I'm going to go over that today a little bit. All right, so we're going to go into Genesis. But I need uh, Todd. Are you, you got your Genesis 3-2? Go to 3-1. I need you to read it because I cut that off by accident. Um, so I want to start with 3-1. Just go ahead and read through 3-5. Serpent said to the woman, You shall not you will not surely die. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay. What's happening right here is we see where right before the fall happens, we see how they've been tempted into listening to the satanic voice and inclining their ear to that voice. And because they inclined their ear to that voice, they repented from God and turned toward a satanic nature. Because they heard his voice and agreed with it, at that moment, they took on his nature. They lost the very essence of who they were. And at that moment, their eyes opened up and they became, they were able to judge. Now, I want you to understand this. What were they, when it says that, let me go back to this verse so you can read it with me. It says that, for God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be, someone say, like God. That's not the same as being God, is it? It's kind of like when I went to my sons and I said, hey, you guys are skateboarding and I found these awesome shoes. They kind of look like Fila. They looked at me, no. They kind of like thing goddess dad. They're not putting on a Nike shoe with the swoop upside down because it kind of looks like it, okay? It's an offshoot of the real product. So here we have is two people coming into a looking like God, but not God. So what really happened is God turned them over to be little G's. And at that moment, they can begin to judge good and evil, but it's not going to be from the God. It's going to be them as God, little G. Let me explain. That's why one church can say, I think that dancing is of the devil and shouldn't be in the church. But another church says, dance on. Why? Because we still have people eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, they're deciding from their opinion. They open the second book of opinions and decided, because I was always taught this was bad, it must be bad. But isn't it funny that a good preacher can come in and talk you into something? A better preacher can talk you out of it. But the truth will set you free. And truth is a person. It is not an idea. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, what we have is little G's running around deciding and putting labels on everything, what's good and bad. That's why we have so many denominations and so many different things. Is everybody split off from somewhere because they had different ideas. Now, this is kind of cool. Well, two things is, I think this is funny. I started thinking about that. I said, how many people know that a good idea is not always a God idea? 
Isn't it interesting they got the knowledge of good? They put an extra O in there to water down God. Now it's just good, but it's not God, right? I want, I, I, whether I'm making fun of it or not, it doesn't matter. I still want God. Because when someone says God, they're saying God. He's so big. And only God is good. Jesus said only one is good, my Father. So I sit there and I think, wow. So all these things that I were taught when I, was, when I went into the ministry, I was taught in, in I was raised in the house, and you don't have a lot of that anymore. A lot of people think they're supposed to go, and there's nothing wrong if the Lord is leading you. I want you to understand something, and I'm going to preface this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is and He leads you, you should be going. So if I say that for me it's a testimony, it's my testimony, please don't try and take it and tie it. Use the revelation that I'm getting from my testimony, because if you try to use secondhand revelation, it will become law in your life. And you will wonder why it's not working. So my, my testimony was I stepped into ministry but was born again in the Word of Faith Charismatic Church. I thought we were the epiphany of Christianity. Anything below the Word of Faith was, well, they'll get there one day. Okay? And so I learned very bad behavior and methods and things that I thought pleased God only to find in the end it wasn't even true. However, understand, God is so good and so gracious and so loving. He said, Mark, I'm not going to leave you that way. You can hear my voice and you will follow me. And because of that, you can stay teachable and humble. And I can take you to another place. Now, I'm not knocking the word of faith either. I learned a lot. I learned what a Hey, little kid walks up to me this morning while I'm up here and says, this is for you. And gave me this badge. Because you know what the word of faith taught me? authority. I know my authority in Christ. All right? So look, I got authority now. Little kid confirmed it. So knowing, knowing good and evil was, it was the curse, to be honest with you, because then I can sit there and decide what is good and what is evil based on my own independent thinking. But this is really cool. And by the way, the word knowing is yada, if you wanted to have that. It means one meaning is a familiar friend, or we also know in the knowing means to be intimate. So what we have become is very intimate with knowledge. That's what it just said. Knowing good and evil. So we become very intimate and friendly with this thing called knowledge. But this is really cool because this is how Jesus set us up. It says, and when Todd was reading that, it said... We can eat from any tree, but the tree where? In the where? In the midst of the garden. So, thank God we didn't eat the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and then walked over to the tree of life and ate it because we'd all be in trouble. <laughs> that means we would, not, we would live forever with that curse. So God sends Adam and Eve out and puts two angels at the door and says, guess what? You're not coming back in here. It's too dangerous. And because you ate from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, now you've got to be your little God, and you're going to have to figure it out. He said they're going to have to work the ground with the toil of the ground, with the brow of their sweat. Meaning now you've got to dig, plant, and work. But thank God he had somebody in the mist. Oh, God, that's good. I feel the anointing. Who was the person in the mist? It was Jesus. Now we see Jesus where he says that in Matthew 18:20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the where? This is a beautiful thing. So now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that maybe if we're not careful or still partaking of, haven't figured it out yet, even though we may be born again, that there's still a person out here named Jesus who said he would be in the mist. He didn't say an idea of him would be in the mist. He didn't say a replica of him would be in the mist or an attribute of him in the mist. He said, I will be in the mist. 
if we can help the church find Jesus, the person again, oh gosh. And when you catch him and you find him, you'll get it all. Oh. That's why if I preach a doctrine to a group of people, they'll start looking like the doctrine I'm preaching. Doctrine is nothing more than your belief system being taught. So let's make clarify that. Good doctrine is good doctrine. True doctrine is true doctrine. I'm not knocking doctrine. But if you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then and you're trying to uh, express that on everyone else so they can look like you, then to me that's not good. So we're going to do something. We're going to play an, an example here. Um, let's do this. Let's take, and by the way, just so you know, just so God, as I'm contemplating this stuff, now you've got to understand, when I'm getting these revelations from the Lord, not only do I need friends like Todd, I'll call Todd up and say, Todd, what do you think about this? And, and sometimes in our conversations, Todd goes, nah, I don't know about that. You may want to go back and research that. Because I'm vulnerable enough to throw it out there. Just because someone seems spiritual does not mean they're mature. Just because the gifts can start flowing in this room does not give a mark of maturity. Just because the preacher who's really good at articulating his words and now has a pulpit ministry and travels all over the earth does not mean he's walking in true authority or is mature. So I'll call Todd up. So I was in my bedroom one night, and me and Lisa, I'd have to sleep downstairs sometimes, and I'd just feel like I need to, and I'd go in our little guest bedroom, and I'm down there. And in the middle of the night... There this dark shadow was on the end of my bed. And I'm like, oh, in Jesus' name, get out of this room. I'm feeling fear come all over me. In the name of Jesus, I said, get out of this room. Now I'm sitting up in my bed. In the name of Jesus, get out. And this thing is not budging. So I went and turned the lights on, and it was the new TV box I bought. <laughs> It was a 60-inch TV box, and I'm rebuking it, trying it to get it out of the room. Don't tell anyone I told you that. Really? I laughed so hard. I was on the ground hoping and praying I would not get an aneurysm. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Really? <laughs> so, I told my wife the next morning, of course, she was laughing her head off. I told my children, they were laughing their head off. But the moral of the story is that... We're not so spiritual as we may think we are sometimes. And the reality of it was fear entered the room because I created it. That box didn't have a spirit on it. It scared me. And I turned to what? The voice of Satan. That's just the truth. We do not have a spirit of fear, but love and a sound mind. So when I turned and I let it scare me, I started going to the voice of reason and I allowed that to become something I put faith in. That's what Adam and Eve did. They turned from God and said, I think I'll put stock in what you're saying. And so here's what happens to the church. I think um, has happened to the church, and I'm just going, this is not a diagnosis problem, it's just a truth that I want to reveal. So I need some, I need some willing people to help me present this. Uh, maybe four people. Yes, thank you for being bold, sister. Come on up. Come on. Can I get a man? Can I get a man? Yes, I need a, you put your hand up. You're worthy, sister. <laughs> come, come. All right. I like your smile, man. Come on. Who? All right, we got four. I just want a man in here. All right. Um, okay. So we're going to do a little uh, object lesson. Is that okay? Okay, so God, over the course of eternity, it started all the way back with Adam. When Adam and Eve 
lost what they had, this fellowship with God unhindered. They turned to Satan, took on his nature, and now became the product of his nature on the earth. And we're waiting for Jesus to come back at this moment so Jesus can come and set it right. So when we take on Jesus, we take on his nature. We only have one nature. It's Jesus' nature. You may be deceived and think you have two natures, but you really only have one. And what happens is you may hang around somebody, and they are not speaking Jesus, and you may be having the tofu spirit at the moment. The tofu spirit is, does anybody know what tofu is? Whatever you put it in it, it tastes like? Okay. And so what happens is, all the way back to the garden, how many people have seen the movie um, Hook, which was the Peter Pan movie? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. In the movie, there's this old man, the grandpa, and he keeps walking around going, I lost my marbles. I lost my marbles. That's all he ever says. He would be found in every room looking under chairs, looking for his marbles. May I just suggest to you, humanity at that moment lost their marbles because Adam gave them away and Eve. And because of that, the, the, the full embodiment of who they were, the nature they were walking in, the love and fellowship of God, unhindered, now all of a sudden they're having to figure this thing out on their own, independent of God. And all of a sudden they're going, I lost my marble. So every generation that comes, take a marble out. Take a marble out. Now we have all these marbles scattered all over the earth. But Jesus comes back and this is what he does. He actually brings us back into healing, reconciling us back to the Father, being perfected in Him in our true nature. And guess what? We get marbles back. What that means is also what Adam and Eve knew in the garden, because there's no time or distance in the Spirit, are mysteries and revelations that God wants to share with us that we don't even know yet because we're getting our marbles back. And what you did this morning was bring each marble to the table means we get the, bowl, the full bag of marbles because each person is a representation with your gift and your talents of maybe that cool-looking marble. My mom used to take marbles, and she would cook them, and everyone would look different. And you know what I'm talking about? And they'd crack, and they'd be pretty, and she'd put them in bowls. Every one of these people up here are marbles. But your marble is not the full marble. It's just a part of the marble. Right, But when we all come together, it all starts making sense. And when everybody begins to start using their gift, it all starts to make sense. Okay, am I making sense? That was a random thought, not rehearsed. Pretty good. Now, here's how I feel like the church may have, maybe need some adjustment. So God on the timeline, all the way back, has been dropping truths to us because we lost our marbles. And he's saying, now I need to give this. This is who you are. This, you've already got it. It's in you, buddy. Right? All of God is already there. The nature, because you're born again. You're spirit-filled. You can hear, see God. So all of a sudden, in him, God speaks to in him and says, I want to show you this part of me. And from within him, he goes, that's awesome. It's a part of God I've never seen before. He dropped a marble. So he drops a marble on the, and I'm just going to go back all the way to Martin Luther. When no, none of the word was really being taught, it was only being capitalized by a certain sect of people that said, we are the face of God and you can only hear from us. But then Martin Luther comes and what? He pins the thesis on the door. And the next thing you know, I'm not saying Martin Luther was a good or bad guy. If you do the research, you may be shocked. It doesn't really matter because God still used him. He opened the word of God up. Now the word of God comes and he breaks in the timeline and boom, all of a sudden we have... The word opened to us because God loved his people so much. And then he moves on to the next movement. And let's speed up many years because I can't go back, back very far. Maybe some of you people that have been around a long time know there was other movements than these. But now all of a sudden God comes up with a new movement. because Not, not a movement. He comes up with a new truth. And, he's sitting, and I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm going to pretend like I'm the guy. And all of a sudden I go, really? That's awesome, God. Holiness? Holiness? Absolutely. God starts speaking about how I'm going to reveal my holiness to the church. And what does the church do? They go, yes, awesome. And I start a Pentecostal holiness movement. There it is right here. Now this is the next institution or church that God brought a truth in and what did man do with it? He sat on it. 
And then if you try to leave the Pentecostal Holy Movement Church, how many people have been in it? You know what they did. Oh, if you leave this, you're going to hell. They would do that. They were so bent on their pinnacle of religion that if you left them, then you would leave God. So we have the Pentecostal Holy Movement. Then all of a sudden God says, I want to release to my church the gifts. The gifts, the gifts of God. I want to awaken them. I want to let them know you can move in me. And when I'm moving, a gift of healing can flow. A gift of prophecy can flow. I want to release this to the church. And so then the charismatic church popped up. He was just trying to reveal his full person to us in parts. And then the Charismatic movement came along, and what did we do? Come on, I mean, you know the charismatic shuffle? <laughs> I was a charismatic. And what happened was, because it was absent of love, true love, the person was absent, and we capitalized on the doctrine of the gifts, then what happened in this movement was everybody got competitive. Everybody's gift had to make room for them. We had worship teams and bands that would be in rivals, and it was horrible at times because everybody was trying to get to the platforms because the gifts promoted them. Hmm. Then after that, now there's more. You know, and the word of faith came out of the charismatic rhema and all that. Don't misunderstand me. I love all that. Thank you, God, for the truths that we come out of this with. Do not misunderstand me. There are truths that came out of this. Is when we capitalize on the doctrine of it and when we begin to start teaching it as is, that means that this church could only teach holiness, holiness, holiness. It was the same piece of meat every Sunday but they had to put a different gravy on it to make it taste good. Because they were in the scriptures looking for everything to confirm holiness. But my Bible was not written for one attribute of Jesus. It was written to reveal the person as a whole. And so then I really believe the last movement is the person. That's what I really believe. I believe he said he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. And I really believe what I mean by that is, I know you may be thinking in your mind that he's just supposed to show up in the physical and that's what we're looking for. What I really believe what he's saying is he is going to awaken the church to the mind of Christ so that when we enter into the mind of Christ, we literally become Christ on the earth in that moment. And in that moment, when I begin to walk into love and I walk into the mind of Christ that he promises that we can have, that we have the mind of Christ, and he actually quickens that and awakens us from the inside, and all of a sudden I have it, at that moment when I find him, at that moment when I find him, I find everything. Thank you. Give him a round of applause. Maybe just his, you know, did that make sense by what I was saying? Okay. Now, let's go to Jesus himself. Let's now flip over to the person of Jesus, and I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations of that. I have found that when I was sitting at home and I was contemplating God and all these weird things were happening and Jesus was telling me, I'm going to reveal myself and in a twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be changed. They're going to start to see me and catch me. If they can catch me and agree with me, in that moment when they agree with me, I will quicken them and they will take on my nature. And my, they already, you already have his nature, but they're going to, you're going to take on my mind in that moment. So I said, okay, Lord. And he said, but it can only be done through love. Love is the only way because love is the expression of God. So he had to put me through fire to find love. He had to put me through a timeline to find him. Everyone has to go through the process. There's no shortcuts. The longest distance between two points is a shortcut. There is no shortcuts. None of us get out of this. I'll explain it to you. So I'm sitting at the house, and the Lord says, men, don't get scared. I hunt. I fish. I build stuff. I miss your construction, but now I make soap. <laughs> Let me explain to you. I was building and doing things. I love YouTube. You can learn anything you want. I love to embrace knowledge. I am not knocking knowledge, by the way. I do not want to get on an airplane if someone goes, I just read the book. I want you to have experience, and I want you to have knowledge, okay? We're not knocking knowledge. 
It's what God quickens with the knowledge that we have attained. If we just go into the bank of knowledge that we've stored up for all the years, reach in there and go, I learned this in school and this is how you fix it. I learned this in last Sunday's service. This is how you fix it. What you're doing is you're serving knowledge of something that he hasn't breathed on yet. But when you find him, he breathes on you, and you're like, anything that he decides to pull out of your history at that moment gets quickened and is made alive. Does that make sense? Because it's not you independent of God trying to fix someone. It's not you independent of God trying to help him. He can do it just fine. So I'm outside, and the Lord's talking to me about the person, and he says to me, I want you to find me. And he said, well, I said, why? He says, because if you can find me, you can find it all. Oh, that's good. My son went down. I mean, I went down in the spring trying to get my chickens to lay eggs. I went down there and said, you lay some eggs. Chickens only had two left. I said, well, you lay some eggs for me, please. I want some eggs. Spring, they should have already been laying eggs. My son, no kidding, my son calls me the, about two days into it. He says, Dad, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, I went down to the chickens, and Oreo, which is the black and white chicken, is almost dead, he says, looking dead. He could barely breathe. She could barely breathe. <laughs> and so Noah says he goes down there and goes, and she just kind of goes. Rrr. He picks the chicken up, and there are 21 eggs. <laughs> Do you understand that's impossible? Could you imagine the poor chicken and why it went? <laughs> I said to my son, do you think she was popping them out like bam, 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 bam? Or was she like 21 times? <laughs> the point is, God, why? You've got me in revelation about the whole person now. This is what's happening in this time frame. And all of a sudden this happens, and I take note because I'm paying attention to what he's doing. I take note and go, 21 eggs, that's a miracle. There's nothing short of that. And the Lord says, that's right, Mark. You finally got it. You can put all your eggs in my basket. Oh. He waited for 21 days worth of eggs to show up in two days. So I can learn a lesson about trusting him 100% with my life. Not someone's teaching. Not someone else's new doctrine. But because I found him, I became so jealous that I would go to conferences and I would listen to people speak and never mention his name unless it was in past tense. And believe it or not, most of you have too, but you haven't thought about it. We have talked about the attributes of Jesus. We've talked to you how you have to have faith and hope and mercy and grace, but those are the fruit of the Spirit, which is his nature. But when I start talking about him, this amazing thing happens. He starts to show up. And when he shows up, I look and I say, he's here. How do I know he's here? I literally feel his presence show up. And it's not just because music's playing. So he got me on this thing where he wants me to make soap. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll do it with you. It sounds fun. I won't tell you all the reasons why I did it, how it came to the conclusion of this. But here's what the Lord taught me in the soap-making process. Because every time he asks you to do something, it's a death that you must die. And that is true faith. Do you understand that the thousand deaths a day Catherine Kuhlman talked about? Does anybody know who she was, by the way? She would say, I have to die a thousand deaths a day. Because for every time I hear his voice... I, my carnal mind, has to make a choice to agree with it or not. There's your death. There is your death. Every time you go outside, when you become awakened to the person in the life of Jesus, you will have a choice, just like we did yesterday, whether we choose to speak to the people we spoke to. Even though we knew we became aware as we were hanging out together, fellowshipping, and the body was feeding each other, we became aware, and what happened was me and Todd just turned on. And then at that moment, the anointing in us, was Holy Spirit, was leading us to people. And in that moment, we made a choice whether we were going to say something to them or not. One reason why a lot of people in the church are still stuck in their mind and they can't get out of it and they're still stuck in the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and that's what they're eating off of and not the tree of life, it's because they're trying to figure it out on their own and they're independent of God. So they're too busy in tomorrow trying to fix tomorrow. 
You're driving to work and you're thinking about your day ahead. You're thinking about your problem. You're thinking about the water line that broke at your house and how you got to get it fixed. You're thinking about how you're going to get the kids to where they need to go. You're thinking about how you need another job. And your mind is going... And because of that, what happens is we miss the moments with Jesus. We're not in rest. We're trying to help him independently fix our life. So... Just the revelation on the soap was pretty simple to me. He said, Mark, because it takes lye to make the soap. You want to see it? It's pretty. It smells good. Okay. Yeah. All right, so this is called chill pill. That's what I named it. Okay. Awesome. Everything is all natural ingredients, just so you know. All right, so what, so what happens here is to make this soap, you have to have lye to make it. Lye is made from hardwood ashes. The lye then mixes with the oils, and it makes the molecules and the oils adhere together, which congeal, it can, starts to congeal, and then the next thing you know, it hardens into soap. And the Lord was teaching me. He said, Mark, he said, this is the church. He said, you get born again, and you're saved. Thank God for the oil of the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, even though you get born again and saved, there's still a lie in you. You really have a true nature. You have the Spirit of God and all truth available to you. But up here, guess where it is? There's your lies. You have to have your mind renewed, right, to the truth. And he said to me, he said, Mark, he said, so what happens is that the people want to have me and want to do amazing things in ministry, but what they're not able to do is uh, endure the process, They'll short-circuit the process of maturity because of the pressure of their life. I said, well, explain that to me because I want to be able to understand it. Because I've been doing it in your life for the last 18 years. I'm like, yes, you have. In order for you to get lye out of the soap, once it has adhered to it, there's only two ways. There's hot process soap, which you use, and you can use it within 24 hours, but you have to cook it. A lot of heat. When he said he was going to baptize you with fire, look at it that way. Then all of our Holy Ghost, you know, whoo, fire! Do you really know what you're calling down? Because the fire has to burn out the lie. If the lie is still in the soap, it becomes caustic. It means it will burn you. When we put people in ministry before their time, and we release them, and the lie has not been out of them yet, it can hurt a few people. Now, you can do co-processed soap, and co-processed soap means it takes six weeks for it to be used. Now we're talking about time. Fire and time. How many people feel like they've been walking a journey of time and wondering when, Lord, when? And if we can embrace the process and see what it's doing to us, then what will happen is we will embrace the process because we know we're not having to learn how to do something that we understand we're becoming someone. All the fire and all the timeline is not to get you into a ministry where you're finally doing a million souls a day or whatever you want it to be. What he is doing is to transform you and to conform you into his image. And your carnal mind doesn't like that because it's enmity to the Spirit. And God is readjusting the way we're seeing things when we find Him. And we begin to understand if I start talking about Him more like He's a person, not that He's an attribute. If I tell my kids like He's a person and I talk to them like we're in relationship with one another, you will begin to see the full picture of Jesus starting to manifest. And then all of a sudden, you begin to realize, I want to look like that. Because the pressure from living under someone's doctrine of just grace, grace, grace every week, and I thank God for grace. But if that's all we're teaching, then that's all the part you get to look like. And there's so much more. You get to look like all of Him on this earth if you want. But we got to find Him. And so we're being transformed and conformed into His image not to do something but to become someone. That's hard, isn't it? 
I bet you right now I can meet with guys, young men, and they tell me, I'm called to go to the mission field. I'm just waiting for my time. I'm waiting for my time. It would be easier for them to go to the mission field, raise money, than it is for them to be transformed, conformed to the image of Christ because of the kind of pressure it takes for you to become into the truth of who you really are. Let me explain. When we get offended, we feel like we have a right to be bitter at that person. It's called the cup of bitterness. And when we drink of that cup of bitterness, do you mind? I got whole scriptures and verses I can go in. I'm just here for one weekend. I got a whole chapter and verse where Jesus is talking about he is the flesh, he, he is the bread, he is the, he is, the, is that okay? I just, I just want to, I want that freedom and liberty because I know all of you, how many people have been, I'm going to say this, how many people have been in church more than three years? Raise your hand. How many people have been not in church more than three years or know Christ? Let me ask you that. Everybody in here pretty much raised their hand. In other words, they only got to spend three years with Jesus, and he spoke in parables, the mysteries of heaven. In other words, you have so much word in you, give me the liberty to just begin to start running with this thing so that you guys can just get it. Your spirit will just start grabbing it, okay? All right, so what happens is, what do I, where did I leave off at? Bitterness. All right, so what happens is that cup of bitterness, when we drink it, we actually feel like we have a right to become and withhold love. But the church was never designed to withhold love. It was designed to love unconditionally. But for some reason, when we have bitterness or offense, we feel like we have a right to withhold love, don't we? It was in the cup that they tried to give Jesus when he was on the cross. It was gall, vinegar, or wine, or however they want to say it. Everybody has a different version. But there was gall mixed in it, which is a bitter herb. And it begins to numb you. And when you become numb and you withhold love, then you're really not portraying the Jesus that died. You feel like there's a right for you to withhold it because this person did this, this, and this. This person didn't talk to me this week or, or this church isn't going in the right direction or Pastor Todd, I think he's getting off. Or, or, wait, listen, and then all of a sudden bitterness comes in and when bitterness comes in, it makes you numb. And you can no longer receive or feel life because you've gone to a numbing point. But love doesn't do that. Love serves and serves again. And when he said, and this is where I'm going to jump because I don't have time to go in there. And you can study this out for yourself. But all of in the Bible right here, and actually if you went into and if you want to, in John 6 starting in 51, you can read all about the bread of life and who he was. He said that he was the bread that came down from heaven. And if you eat of him and drink his blood, you will live eternally. But what the church has not been able to see yet is Jesus as the bread of life in the full picture. We like our blood. What that means is in communion that it's the doorway. When they went back into the Old Testament, do you remember when they had to eat the lamb and the whole lamb before they could leave Egypt? He really meant you've got to eat it all. What did the lamb represent? And the body. The blood was put where? On the doorposts. That's the communion. The blood gets us in the door so I can see and love and dance and be part of Him. But what we don't understand maybe is that the body is the Lamb. And so what I see happen in the church is that we want to get our worship on. That's why I do what I do. We want to get our worship on. Really what was meant to be in your prayer closet, we brought it to the church. The Bible says when the saints gather, it was for the edification. But what we've done is we created many prayer closets about the size of a chair. And this is what it looks like. And everybody's looking at the back end of everybody's head. Oh, that's good worship. That's good music. Praise God. Don't mess with them in my worship right now. Don't mess. Oh, I'm in with God. I'm in with God. And all these people out here are dying. They're broken. There's no life in them. And our job is to what? Become life. And what happens is, now don't misunderstand me. I'm a worshiper. I love music. I'm not, not, I still want worship in my music, and I want that. I'm not throwing the baby out in the bathwater. What I'm talking about is coming in and finding him. <gasps> he's at work in the children right now. Oh, look, he's at work. He's wanting to do some physical healing this morning. How do I know that? Because four people came up to me and said, I feel like the Lord wants to do healing. Because I create a culture where it's okay to be you, and you can communicate. And you don't have to wait for the pastor to say everything. And so the body is it's, it's here. 
And he said, what did he say to his disciples and everybody around him? You have to eat of my, you have to drink my blood and eat my, how many people walked away when they heard that? They said many turned away from Jesus. Can I propose to you something? If we can find the person of Jesus and fall in love again with him first and then fall in love with the body, could we evangelize the world overnight? Because it says they knew them for their love for one another, which attracted them to the church. Could it be that maybe we don't like the way the body tastes so we're spitting on the body or being sheep biters sometimes. I'm not saying everybody's in here. and This is not an abusive service, so I want you to understand. I'm just saying I'm a pastor and I see a lot of stuff. Could it be that maybe that we need to eat the whole body and every part of it? That means whether you like me today, my message or not, throw all that away. Because Christ's nature is to love Mark right now, even what I'm saying even if it rubs you. That's the true, I'll lay my life down. A love for the sheep so amazing that every tick on them, every, every uh, bitter part of them, every sweet part of them, I will love you. But I will promise you, you will not be able to do it in your own strength. He's coming back to the church in a way that we've not seen yet. I think we got to be prepared to position ourselves in love to allow him to do what he wants to do without trying to make him go back into a box. And I will promise you this, that if we would begin to love each other as the Lord allows us that to happen, we will get a big picture of what it means to see the full picture. When I just drink the blood, all I can see is my relationship and intimacy. But when I start eating his flesh, I start seeing the body. And then I see the full picture of Christ starting to manifest. It's not one without the other anymore. And that's why a lot of people are still in Egypt. Because they won't eat the body. Egypt's still in them. And they can't get free. Does that make sense? All right, I'm closing. Where's the worship team? I feel so right now with the Lord and what He's doing right now. I almost feel as though if we just get the worship team up, maybe just play some background music for a minute. I feel like, even before we go there, I, want, I, want, I just want to, I want to open the floor. See, we're not used to doing this. Does anybody have a question? See, this is where the difference between monologue and dialogue start and people get nervous. If you really want to love the sheep and you want the body to be alive, then don't you got to become a family? And when you sit at my dinner table... And you sit with my family, we talk about how was your day. Son, what's going on? Dad, I have a question. Can I next week? No? <laughs> or yes? I know I challenged you this morning. I challenged your, the, the, that's what he gave me. He gave me, he brought me here to challenge the territory where I'm at. And I want to just, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick, and then I'm, I really want you to think about a question while I'm doing this, if you have one. When I started off in ministry, I thought the Lord was telling me to move to Myrtle Beach and start a ministry. And I thought, I, I, this is what I'm thinking. He gave me the name of the ministry. That's always a good start, right? Because you can get business cards and start with your ministry. And I thought it was Tent Peg Ministries. About six years into being at the place I was at where God had to slow me down so he can speed up, where God had to dump fire on me in time to condition me to look like him and be like him, that time frame, I was miserable. I was sandwiched trying to understand where I am and where I'm headed. The reason was because I didn't know who I was. Okay? I was trying to wear everybody else's clothes but my own. I was trying to wear Saul's armor, and it didn't fit. Okay? And so the Lord spoke to me. He said about five years into that, he says, Mark, I never called you to start Tent Peg Ministries. I called you a tent peg. And wherever you are, you will enlarge territories instead of trying to create a ministry out of it. Does that make sense? See, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you're eating off it, that's the kind of thing you think. You don't realize it's a personal thing because it's all about relationship. 
you think you're supposed to be a big ministry, 501c3, and get all the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Next thing you know, everybody's tired. They don't really want to work. Nobody wants to do anything. Oh, my gosh. Buildings. and But if you can actually be who you are supposed to be in that moment and find Jesus, an amazing thing will happen. He'll begin to manifest. And whoever he wants to be in that moment, he will manifest to. And that person will be able to enjoy the fruit of Jesus.